that 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 just makes me a little bit more upset. (laughs) I I told you I was vexed. (laughs) I was like, at, at this, like, as you read this story, all I'm thinking is that Lord, at the end of this, this man better get caught. Okay, something needs to happen mm-hmm. here because what on earth? I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. best things about hosting a podcast is meeting new people, hearing their stories and building new friendships. But it really is an awesome experience when you get to sit down with someone that's already a friend, someone whose story you've witnessed for years and quite frankly, someone you're proud to say is like a brother. Our guest on today's show is Elijah Ramjatan. Originally from Canada and a fellow theology student of whom I had the privilege of graduating with last year in the midst of a global pandemic. So we we did it on Zoom. Elijah is passionate about Bible study, about teaching the lessons of scripture, whether that be through preaching the word or through writing, both of which are gifts that God has clearly blessed him with. Now we get requests all the time as to which characters you all would like us to delve into. And today's character hasn't been asked for even once. Gehazi is one of those Bible characters that you may not be instantly familiar with. He's of course not a Moses or an Abraham or a David or Job. Once you hear his story, I promise you'll never forget it. The premise is simple. In 2 Kings 5, we are introduced to Naaman a great Syrian general that is plagued with leprosy. He is providentially pointed to the prophet Elisha by a little girl the Syrians took captive as they conquered Israel. And in a truly miraculous turn of events, he is healed by the God of Israel, dipping himself in the river Jordan, after much resistance, mind you, a full seven times. Elated and overjoyed, He returns to Elisha to thank him and to give a donation as a thank you. Elisha, however, straight up refuses. The prophet's message was simple. The God of Israel cannot be bought. He brings health and healing to those that trust his word, not for a price or a sacrifice in return, but purely because he is a God of love. This story had happily ever after written all over it, if it weren't for the next two words, but Gehazi. But Gehazi. Mm. And that is where the story takes a sudden turn of unfortunate events, um, something that we weren't wanting, something that we weren't expecting, um, and we meet Gehazi a servant of, of Elisha. And this has to be, in my opinion, the most disappointing verse in the Bible. Yep. <laughs> um, because what you have is you have this, you have this perfect story of this unbelievable miracle. And you're just like, oh, he's going, he's going to go home and okay. share the blessing. Yep. 
<laughs> and and you want all right roll credits yeah the end that's it mm -mm. but Gehazi but Gehazi oh my so we get to that verse and it says but Gehazi the servant of Elisha the man of God said look my master has spared Naaman this Syrian mm. bold this Syrian right uh, and it's just, it's unfortunate. You know, the butt was very disappointing, but this is even more disappointing because mm. Gehazi is not excited to see this man, Naaman, come into conversion, right. come into contact with, with God. Mm. He's, dis he's, he's not excited. The first thing that he noticed is not his conversion. Right. It's not his spiritual journey. The first thing he noticed is his ethnicity, right. is where he's from. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's extremely disappointing mm -hmm. because he had the opportunity to see a brother right. in the faith, but instead he saw an infiltrator in his nation. And not only that, but, but healing from leprosy wasn't a thing. Mm -mm. You know, like that was a horrific and a deadly disease. You right. know, to see someone suffering with that, it would have at, at least, I mean, it, it was so bad in that time that it was, it was symbolic of sin itself. Right. And so to witness a man go through that, and from what we know about Naaman, mm -hmm. a good man, mm -hmm. you know, and one that God used. Right. And to see someone, especially because this is a very visual disease, mm. to see someone in that state and to completely, as a believer in God, mm -hmm. to completely bypass yep. the miracle. Yeah. To bypass the man's healing, right, and just get stuck right. on where he's from, right, or what his skin looks like now that he is healed, right. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that this is not a a flippant statement. No, that within this, the heart of Gehazi has been revealed. Right, that this man may claim to be a believer in God and a servant of Elisha, mm. but his heart is filthy. Right. And and that's that's the saddest part is that the first time we meet Gehazi, we already are we're already introduced to the kind of person that he mm -hmm. is. Yep. And actually, this is the first person that Naaman meets outside of Elisha. Right. And that's the first introduction to oh, these 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 good people, these godly people. This is the first introduction he has yeah. to them. And it's it's sad because not only does the 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 racial prejudice that Gehazi has toward uh, um, Naaman mm. cause him to completely miss, completely see what's just been done, completely see right. what God has just done. But it causes him to, to seek to see Naaman exploited rather than saved. Right. And that's really sad. Mm. Um, Gehazi takes a beautiful gift, a beautiful gift that, that God has given Naaman. Yeah. And he completely taints it, mm -hmm. completely tarnishes the gift, this this beautiful story, this beautiful um, act of faith, this right. beautiful act right. of faith that, that, that Naaman has done, and he completely messes it up. And the reason for that, the only reason that we're given in the story as he runs after him, mm -hmm. I mean, later he gives an excuse, but the reason is, it is because of his nationality. Right. There's no other thing in the verse that gives us any indication and he highlights it. This Syrian mm. is the reason as to why this man can see the gospel preached and be upset. Right. And so he chases after Naaman. 
like he chases like you, you have to be committed so he sees that elisha has has done this thing and then he commits to undoing what elisha just did right and you know what that means? Mm. Like Naaman, Naaman's a big man. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an important man. Right. He didn't walk. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> he came with chariots. Mm-hmm. He came with horses. Mm-hmm. You imagine Gehazi running him down, <laughs> right. like waving him down in the cloud of dust as he's leaving. Right. Just for this purpose. I mean, imagine if he had rearview mirrors, right? Naaman's right. You just see this like, like this crazy man chasing after him. So, <laughs> and that's what happens. He he commits to it, and he says, he says, I will run after him. Yeah. And take something from him mm-hmm. this guy just got everything yeah like the biggest thing that he could ever ask for which was his health i mean mm-hmm. when your health is taken from you that's the most important that's thing true. to you this guy had everything he was he was a general he was a leader he was all these things but it was taken from him. his health was taken from him and god gives him that and um gehazi chases after him and says i'm gonna take something from you okay my master he must have forgotten or right. something he must have missed the, you know, the part where oh, you have to also give something in order to get something. And the thing is, Naaman was Naaman was willing. You know, he was he offered Elisha gifts, right? And Elisha made a statement: mm-hmm. "I will not accept anything from you. Mm. This is a free gift." Right. So Gehazi completely disagrees with that. Mm-hmm. Theologically, they're not on the same no. page. Gehazi like, no, 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 no. The healing that he's received. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's leaving, as Naaman says, saying that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Mm. What a statement. Wow. He's leaving with that and Gehazi says, uh-uh, we're not doing that for free. Right. <laughs> right. You've, you've got you've to give something for right. that. Right. And, and when he runs off, he says that, um, behold, my master spared, spared this Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought him. And then he has this great oath. Mm. As the Lord lives, mm. I will run after him and take somewhat of him. Mm. And that, let's talk about that, mm. that oath. That, that's important because that's the same oath that, that Elisha says to Naaman, mm-hmm. right? He says, yep, as the before. Lord lives, I'm not going to take anything from yep. you, right? This is a sacred oath. This, this represents a lot. You know, it's, mm. it's been mentioned many times in the Old Testament, Boaz and Ruth, um, yep. Elisha and Elijah, Saul to Jonathan. It's a sacred, it's a sacred oath. Right. Right, and Gehazi comes and says the exact same thing, but to do harm. Mm. So he actually thinks somehow Gehazi thinks that what he's about to do, that the actions that he's about to take, is okay. Right, it's so good. With one breath, incredibly prejudiced. Right, and in the other breath, calling on the name of the Lord. Right, so he's 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 not only profaning the the gift mm. that he just received, he's also profaning God. Right, to him. Those two things right. are not mutually exclusive. Right. He actually believes he can think that about someone mm. and also just be like a full-blown Christian right. out there running after people doing the Lord's work. Right. So it's just, he goes on this crusade mm. and he truly believes that this crusade is okay. Like he thinks that, okay, if that what I'm about to do, I'm going to exploit this new, this new believer. New convert, yeah. This new convert. I'm going to exploit him and that's okay. Mm. I'm going to completely disregard what my master has showed me, what Elisha has shown me, right? What my, what, what Elisha has taught me. Mm. And I'm going to go on my own tangent, my own crusade and take something from this guy. Right. He uses this opportunity to exploit Naaman. He uses the name of God, attaches God's name to it, attaches like a righteous sticker on it. 
and then acts as if it's for charity. Mm. And we find that on later. He says, you know, there's some, you know, prophets that need. That yeah, need he references stuff. the sons of the prophets, right, right. which <laughs> it's it was God's duty alone mm-hmm. to look after the prophets mm. and 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 their sons. Wow. So, like, even even that, like, not wow. only is he calling on the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. he's actually putting himself in the place of God because wow. mm-hmm. he's saying, oh, I need to provide for the sons of the prophets. That was God's job. Mm. You know, like the priests, they got paid through their, through their services and through, their, through the tithes and the offerings. The prophets depended on the Lord. Wow. And so to come forth and be like, oh yeah, this is for charity, by the way. The sons of the prophets are coming down from the mountain and they need garment or they need just w- what you happened to bring when you showed up mm-hmm. the first time. He's putting himself in God's place. Right, right. That's that's powerful, and and that shows you even more of his heart. Right. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that's going on within him. He's 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 racially prejudiced. Mm-hmm. He's greedy. He's uh he's a liar because we find out later that he's lying um, about the whole charity thing. Right. Uh, he's a blasphemer, mm-hmm. and he's putting this under a banner of righteousness, which we could say right. is is his own false and fake version of righteousness. Yeah. Uh, his, his Christianity. His Christianity. His nominalism whatever it is he's mm-hmm. putting it all under that banner and yeah. claiming that this is this is it this is what this is what god has called me to this is what i this is what god wants mm-hmm. me to do god wants me to treat this brother like this god wants me to to seek to to destroy this image right like that's what god wants me to do and it's it's crazy that somebody so close mm. could be so confused that's why we've seen uh, you know, racism within the church, why we've seen prejudice within the church, just because Gehazi was this servant of this super godly man didn't make him a godly man. Right, and I think that as as, as easy as it is sometimes to point the finger, mm. uh, oftentimes, you know, the spirit just points the finger straight back. Right. You know, and we see in Gehazi oftentimes... Uh, an unfortunate reflection mm. of ourselves mm. because he's clearly the message and the power of the gospel and this witness. It's not his priority. No. You know, his priority is gain. Right. His priority is because as we see, he, do, he doesn't, he takes those garments for himself. Right. You know, his priority is what he can get from this situation. Right. And in his eyes, this free gift of, of cleansing both physically and spiritually is not something that that Naaman deserves. Mm. You know, like he doesn't warrant it. He's not worthy of receiving for free what no doubt Gehazi himself has received for free. And the thing is he he's created a a I guess you could call it a pseudo gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's created this notion that what you were saying that what he got for free mm-hmm. somebody else has to pay right. for. Somebody that's not in his group, right, somebody that's right. not in that's not like him. In other words, he he's saying, "Well, they have to pay for something," mm-hmm. and he's by doing that, he's tarnishing what the gospel actually means. He's tarnishing the message that Naaman receives. You know, Naaman gets this conversion, and immediately he understands who God is. Right, and and on that point, just just so it doesn't feel like we're we're reaching here. Hmm. When Naaman has a genuine experience with the God of Israel, his instinct is to give something in return. Hmm. So we have a Syrian here who is like, wow, I've been healed. 
and therefore there is no other god but in earth, on earth mm-hmm. but the god of Israel. Right. So here, please take this payment and take this offering. Yeah. And so in his mind, the gods for him. Right. I mean, the only the there's only one now, but the gods work on a transactional basis. Mm. Mm-hmm. They give you something, and therefore you give something in return. What Naaman leaves with is this this very very strange picture mm. of a god that one can heal leprosy, two actually does heal leprosy, mm. and three heals a Syrian. Right. You know, that there's there's no prejudice on God's part. No. God actually heals him who the Syrians had just recently just conquered Israel <laughs> in battle. Yeah. And it says that God used right. uh, Naaman in mm-hmm. that. But so, so God can heal his leprosy, does heal his leprosy, isn't prejudiced against him, and then refuses mm. through Elisha to take anything from him. Mm. So what's happening now is Naaman is going home. He's going back to Syria with a message. Mm. What you and I would call the gospel message. Right. That there is only one God, mm. and that is the God in Israel. Right. And that he offers salvation freely. Mm. So when Gehazi steps in, mm. and Gehazi says, actually, we're going to need just a little something. We don't need everything you brought. Right. Just a little something. Yeah. But salvation that I can receive that costs me but a dime is the complete opposite to Mm. the gospel that the scriptures actually tell us about. Wow. And that's what what Gehazi does is he changes the narrative of the gospel completely by his actions and by what he says. One of my favorite all-time theologians, C.H. Spurgeon, uh, he said that we are not responsible to God for the souls that are saved, Mm -hmm. but we are responsible for the gospel that is preached and how we preach it. And that's what we're seeing with Gehazi. He is he is not necessarily responsible for Naaman's conversion. Right, not at all. Not at all. You know, that's all God. Even Elisha, like Elisha carried the message, but yeah. at the end of the day, his conversion is is because of what God did for right. Naaman, right? But in the way that, that Gehazi preaches the gospel mm. through his actions, through his 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 words. It completely changes the narrative that, that 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 Naaman has just received. So, that begs the question: Why on earth did Gehazi think that that was the right thing to do? Mm. Like he he's he's clearly, as we said, thinking that that's okay, that that's that that's what God wants. He slaps God's name onto the onto the packaging and says, mm. "This is what God wants me to do." Why on earth is it okay for him to do that? And that's because as we're, as we're talking, he's developed mm-hmm. a false understanding and a false narrative of the gospel. And in that, the character of God also. <laughs> exactly. So he's, he's, he's tarnishing so many things. He doesn't have that much, that much time in this scripture. I mean, this like, is, this it's is a, a suicide time. bomber if ever there <laughs> really was one. Is. It's a kamikaze mission yeah. right here, right? Like he, he, he completely changes it. And as we're saying, he, thinks that that what was given to him freely could not be given to somebody else freely. Mm-hmm. And that's what's completely changed in the narrative. Um and it it honestly you have to you have to apply it to us sometimes. Because we oftentimes we assume that what we got mm. 
first of all, came easy. And what we got, we don't have the heart enough to share with others right. freely. Mm. That's important. And I think, you know, even Elisha notices it. Elisha says it later on. He says, did not my heart go with yeah. you? You know what I mean? Like, did not my heart, the heart of th- that's been converted, a heart that, that, that knows who God is. Mm. I've taught you everything. You've seen a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, Elisha's done quite a bit. You've seen that and did it not go with you. Instead, you chose a different route. Instead, you chose, chose to have no love for your neighbor. No love for, for somebody yeah. that just came to the faith. You know, we're, we're a lot like Gehazi. Mm. Um, and it's sometimes, you know, um, with this character, a lot of us would say, oh, come on, I'm not like Gehazi. Right, sometimes I'm like Peter. <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you maybe know, I'm like Thomas. But... but who could be like Gehazi? <laughs> like this guy's just rude, right? right? But Gehazi, we're like him because we don't want to hear each other's story. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a crucial point because that situation that happened before was Naaman's story. Yeah, He completely sideswipes that. We're, we're often like Gehazi mm. because we don't want to listen to each other's story. Right. We don't want to hear, you know, what you've been through, mm. how God brought you through right. it. We don't want to hear those things. That's, that's pretty much what Gehazi does, right? Mm-hmm. He looks at what Naaman just went through. It doesn't matter to him. Yeah. It doesn't matter at all. And it causes you to think that, that sometimes we're not willing to put aside our own biases, our own prejudice. We're not willing to put aside our own Christian nominalism. Mm. We, we, just, we just won't put those things aside to listen and to guide others in right. the faith. That's what Gehazi should have done. First of all, he shouldn't even have to ch- he shouldn't have chased after right. him, but he should have been able to listen and continue to guide um, Naaman in his faith. Yeah, Gehazi is that side character that just needed to stay as a side character. Mm-hmm. You know, try to take the spotlight. Right. But I, I, I agree with you in that even nowadays, uh, listening is not this generation's strong suit. Mm. Nowadays, we listen to reply, mm. not to understand. Right. You know, and Gehazi is off, like we said, on this kamikaze mission because he hasn't taken the time to actually internalize mm. what this man has has actually gone through. And what's interesting is that because, because he doesn't listen, because he doesn't care, mm. like we said, he, he, does, he does change the gospel. But I think he also reflects how we can be as Christians mm. within the church where we come across as judgmental because we're not actually listening to one another. Mm. We're not um, taking the time to actually get to know each other outside of the purpose of, oh, I need to bring this person to God. Even, even when, you know, when, you, when you sit down and have a casual conversation with someone outside of any kind of religious setting, mm-hmm. oftentimes as a Christian, you may feel like you have the pressure to direct the conversation to something spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so you're not listening to understand. Hmm. You're just listening to, to reply. Right. You're just listening to hope that you, know, you, can, you can twist things so that you can eventually direct things. And, 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 and when I think back to times past, which I'm barely old enough to remember, I remember genuine conversations. Mm. I remember conversations that had no motive. Mm. I remember conversations where I just wanted to understand who you are. I just wanted to understand what you've been through and how what you've been through is different to what I've been through. And, and just to become familiar with the perspective of others and not, as you said, to be blinded or to be short-sighted by 
the differences in someone or the the preconceived biases that I've had, but to give everyone the fair opportunity mm. to have their story and to say, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. And, and maybe this is how God is working in my life. Yes. Yeah. You know, and now comparing it, of course, to Jesus and what he did, you know, comparing Gehazi, <laughs> Gehazi was the opposite of what mm. Jesus did. Jesus meets the woman at the well. Right. We know that's a culturally sensitive thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, she's a Samaritan woman. She's a Samaritan woman. woman. <laughs> right. So there's multiple things. Jesus, he he approaches it in a way that he doesn't first label her, label her mm-hmm. as a, as a Samaritan. He doesn't just you know, oh, this is you and and we need to be separate. As a matter of fact, he makes he in, he intends to go to go through Samaria yeah. just to just you know, for her. just for her. And he makes a distinct point mm-hmm. to immediately drop any notion of cultural yes. bias when he speaks to her first. Right. You know, that 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 doesn't make sense within mm-hmm. Judaism to to ask her to do something for him. Mm-mm. Mm. So immediately Jesus comes in and he's 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 anti Gehazi. Right, right, right. And he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't ask her to do anything for mm-hmm. him, right? Besides the, the water yeah. and the things, but he doesn't ask for any payment or right. return. Or, he 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 doesn't ask, require anything, and he gives her everything. Right, and I think that's beautiful. And the other the other point that's super beautiful that story is that he knows her story. Right, right. And it's not as if Gehazi doesn't know Naaman's story. Right, Gehazi has all the information. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, you know, supernaturally right. is able to read the mind and understand the person. Mm-hmm. But Gehazi has experienced everything mm-hmm. that Naaman mm-hmm. has gone through. So there's no excuse there. Right. Jesus actually acknowledges her story, right? right? He acknowledges it, and and I think that's the the fundamental difference between mm-hmm. Gehazi and and of course Jesus, right? Is that there's a care mm-hmm. and there's a love and there's a passion for that person's story, mm-hmm. and not simply where they're from, what their cultural background is, but their story. And uh, I think that's where we as Christians have to be be aware, right? That you can have a wall up just because you're looking at somebody and seeing what they have externally whether it's their culture whether it's the the color of their skin or whatever whatever it is you may be looking at them and they might have an amazing story that you need to hear Mm. and i think that's 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 an important thing for gehazi to understand what i love about this as well is that in both stories that you've brought up Mm. In one of them, you have Gehazi running after mm. a Syrian wow. to destroy the gospel message that this man has just received. Mm. And in the other, yes, you have the woman who's running away Woo. with the actual gospel. Mm. And that's the painful truth that too many of us Christians would just rather not hear. So go on. Turn this off if you must. If it's too much to handle or you're just going to listen and then remain the same anyways, find another podcast, find another pastime. Because the whole point of hearing the truth is that we would let it change us. We've settled for a mediocre, proximity-based religion that is only ever going to prolong our existence here on earth and keep us and our children from ever seeing our Savior return. Okay, that's my little rant for now. If you're still here, then we'll see you in a few. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. A Table in the Wilderness's mission is to provide spiritual and physical food to those who need it. 
You can see them on the road with their Eat Better van, encouraging Oklahomans to become dairy-free with their ice cream and education social. Their programs include the Community Cooking Show, Diabetes Undone, The Plant-Based Pantry, and Chef Kids. A Table in the Wilderness is in search of mission-minded health enthusiasts to join them as program coordinators, volunteers, and interns with remote opportunities available. If you're interested in putting your talents into action in God's field, then please visit them online at atableinthewilderness.org. They're also on social media and want to connect with you at The Table in the Wilderness. So check it out. We are living in a time of crisis. Not the crisis you might be thinking of, no, not COVID, not terrorism, not corrupt governments, even though all of those things exist, far worse actually. We're living in a time where young people, teenagers full of passion, energy and life, no longer see God as a priority. And that's where Weimar Academy comes in. At Weimar Academy, we strive to apply the great educational blueprint to everything that we do to teach our young people, your young people, that God is love and that His love can transform their hearts. It's a place of learning, a place of changing, and mostly a place of growing. Here our students learn of Jesus in every class, whether it be Bible, mathematics, or agriculture. They learn to work, they learn to play, most importantly, they learn how to live abundantly. If you want to witness education done right, or you have or know a child that would benefit from such an experience, then go online at www.wemaracademy.org and come and visit us here at our school. I hope to see you soon. You've heard it before. Being in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a parking lot would make you a car. How foolish it would be then to hear that and continue to sit down, legs crossed, in the middle of a parking lot. We must stop waiting for motivation to show up and kickstart our Christianity. We should be moved out of love. The love that God has shown us in His Son that truly is the only safeguard to a true religion. So this begs one major question. Mm. How can a man be so close to a prophet, mm. be cl so close to a spiritual person, and have zero conversion? The spiritual person. The. Like Elisha is... The man of God. Right. <laughs> That's what it says. And you know, this was... this was the thing that I feared the most when I came into the church was that I came in on, on a high, you know, as many do. Um, evangelistic series and you're pumped. And you're like, this is it, you know, this is God's church and we're going to move forward and do great work for Jesus. And I've said many times that when, when that died down, settled down, and it took like a week only, mm. um, I was in there and I was like, this is nothing like what it was a couple weeks ago. Mm. And Without, I mean, this is going to sound judgmental, mm. but I think the people wouldn't disagree. Um, the people were just there. You know, like yeah. like they were, 
as we would say, nominal Christians, mm. but just in the church. And the thing that I was most scared about was, well, what if I just become one of those people that, what if I become a church goer? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like growing up, I grew up in the Catholic church. Mm. I was a church goer. Right. And I left that because all I was was a church goer. Mm. And the fear hit me. Right. 19 years old, I was like, have I just gone full circle? Right. What if I just become another church goer? What if I'm just around this message mm. and surrounded by people of God, genuine people of God? Yeah. But I never actually let it infiltrate my heart and I never actually fall on on the rock that is Christ Jesus and let him break me and, and remold me. What if I'm what if I'm just a Gehazi? Mm. And and this is this this is why I love what we're talking about right now, because we find the problem. And the problem was that Gehazi was was only near the message mm -hmm. but the message wasn't within him that's right that's it and that's 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 just that's just the saddest part is that is that we assume that if we're near it we're good to go right proximity to the gospel mm. doesn't save you proximity to the gospel won't get you through the gates of heaven mm. conversion will right and that's the issue that we're seeing here and that's why fundamentally Gehazi is a racially prejudiced, greedy, lying, blaspheming man. It is more than possible to find racists in the church. Mm. And why we shouldn't be like, oh, wow, you go to church and you're racist? No, no, no. Because the majority of Christians, you have to assume, otherwise we wouldn't really be here mm. if everyone was like, if we were all what we were meant to be, right. the majority of Christians within the church, as I've just said, they're churchgoers. And so there's going to be racists there. There's going to be liars there. There's going to be blasphemers there. There's going to be thieves there mm. because like you said, it's just proximity. Mm. And, and the reality and the truth is that being in a church mm. does not mean that you are in Christ. Right. They're mm. not the same thing. Not at all. He was a servant of 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 Elisha, mm. but he was also a servant of his own flesh. He was not a servant of God. He was a fake servant of Elisha, even. He fake, one hundred percent. He was just he was just there for the for the ride mm -hmm. <laughs> to see what he could gain. Right, exactly to see what he can gain. Now, this is where we see the the result mm. of what what Gehazi. Is going through his heart issues, right? You know, this guy genuinely makes me angry. <laughs> like genuinely, it just vexates your soul. Like it's just so annoying. Why like, couldn't you just have stayed at home? <laughs> he has this this incredibly childish moment right. where he walks in the house mm -hmm. and Elisha sees him. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Where were you?" Yeah, and he says, nope. "I was here. I was <laughs> like, I've been here all along." <laughs> how are you gonna lie right. to the man that God speaks through? Mm. Like a prophet is the mouthpiece of God, right? How can you say to the all-seeing God, the ever-present God, I didn't go nowhere. Mm. I stay right here. I didn't do nothing. What, garments? No, no, no. There's no garments. That's and that's what that's what complacency complacency shows you. Mm. Like you you get to such a point of being such a churchgoer or right. being so in the club that you genuinely think that you do nothing wrong. Right. <laughs> That's what Gehazi does. He's like, wait, 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 what? What do you mean? I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I've been here. I didn't do anything. You know what makes me the most mad about this guy? Mm -hmm. Is that 
like we said earlier, Naaman goes home. Mm. He doesn't stay in Israel. No. He is the woman at the well. Right. He is the evangelist that is being sent into a foreign land. And he goes with a completely different gospel. Hmm. He goes with a gospel that says the God of Israel is real and will do miraculous things Hmm. for a small price. Yeah. (laughs) For this one act of penance. Yeah. For this uh, long trip to this sacred sacred Mm -hmm. temple. Mm -hmm. As long as you do those things, the God of Israel, he's all for you. Mm. And... When you think of this man's position, mm. the fact that he's the king's right-hand man, right. if he goes home with an actu- accurate picture of God, mm. what might Syria look like today? Mercy. Syria is a predominantly, almost 100% Muslim, Islamic country. Yeah. That's the message of Gehazi, mm. that God will work for you, mm. As long as you do such and such and such. Right. When you think of Syria today, a war-torn and destroyed people, Mm. what if Naaman goes back with a perfect picture of a God that is willing to heal and forgive and bless for free? Wow. And that... That that just makes me a little bit more upset. You know what I mean? I told you I was vexed. <laughs> like at this, like as you read this story, all I'm thinking is that Lord, at the end of this, this man better get caught. Okay, something needs to happen mm. here because what on earth? And he does, and, the, he, and this he, is what happens. He gets his comeuppance, right? And so the Bible tells us, therefore, the leprosy of Naaman mm. shall cling to you. That's what Elisha tells him. Right. That's your punishment. Yeah. The leprosy of Naaman, the guy that you were just trying to exploit, Mm. the guy that you were just trying to take something from, you're going to get actually what he didn't want. Right. (laughs) You're going to get what you didn't want. Right. (laughs) You're going to get something far worse. Mm. Right. And it's interesting. We we see this issue of leprosy. Right. And leprosy is a very it's a very um, quarantining type of disease. Right. Mm -hmm. It, It keeps you away from everyone. You have to leave. Um, society, you have to be separated from mm-hmm. everyone. It's interesting that Gehazi did not have a manifestation of leprosy mm. before this point, but within his heart he had it. Mm. And that type of leprosy, that 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 disease that was within him, it caused him. It would have caused him to actually have been isolated from people. Mm. And and it's important to understand that that. That the that the proximity to the gospel will not save you right. from the sin that will infect you. Mm. Like it won't. Like just because you're near it doesn't mean you're safe. And Gehazi, he may not have had leprosy yet, but he sure did have something within him that was just as vile and filthy as leprosy. And what really um, stood out to me the last time I read this was the fact that the leprosy that he receives is now going to force Gehazi into a life of isolation. And I wonder, I wonder what if this divine act of giving this man that disease, what if Gehazi receiving leprosy was God's way 
of making sure that this man doesn't ruin anyone else's story. Mm. That this man no longer taints the gospel because now, now he's stuck inside. Now he's isolated from, from whoever else comes into contact. Right. Because Naaman was not the end goal. Naaman was the beginning. Mm. Naaman was the the first one that was meant to pass through and take this gospel to the world. Mm. And it almost seems to me as like God is looking at Gehazi and saying, "Never again will I allow you to step into my shoes and give such a message." Yeah. Be gone. It may seem as though the judgment on Gehazi is harsh, but really, who are we to make that call? God sees beyond time. He sees the ramifications of Gehazi's sin. He sees all that this false gospel will keep from the kingdom. Gehazi is potentially costing a nation's worth of people their salvation. And if you don't think that deserves judgment, then I don't know what does. I remember quite vividly mm. the first time that I I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus. Right. I was raised in the church mm-hmm. right through. My parents, they didn't grow up with that. So they, they made sure that their kids were raised in the church. Yeah. I was eight years old. Wow. Um, and I know, you know, that's young. A lot of people, oh, wow, that's really young. Mm-hmm. And people assume sometimes, oh, okay, if he's making this decision to follow Jesus, you know, through baptism, then, oh, it must be peer pressure. It mm. must be parents parents or things like that. But no, I remember specifically, I remember the time it was a, it was a crusade. I remember, I remember feeling mm. like, man, I, I love this God wow. and I want to follow him. So I got, I got baptized at, at, at eight, eight years old. I nice. got baptized. That was the first time I got baptized. <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, being excited mm. as an eight-year-old kid, you know, what can you do? There's not much things to to steer you off the path. Right. <laughs> and, you know, that was all fine and dandy. But as time went on, you know, I, 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 I went to Christian schools and things like that. And then in high school, I went to a public school and things changed for me. And it wasn't, it wasn't because of the public school. Sure. But it was just a lot that I was dealing with, mm-hmm. right? And I was still very much in the church. Now, this is this is where I think a lot of people can relate to. Mm. I wasn't in drugs. I wasn't doing alcohol. Mm. I don't have a crazy testimony where I was like on the streets homeless because I was shooting up with cocaine or something. You know what I mean? I don't have that story, but I was struggling with a lot of internal things, whether mm. it was whether it was lack of empathy or, mm. or, or lust wow. or or addiction to pornography mm. or profanity or or those things, things that most of us don't think of as bad as, right. you know, alcohol, drugs, and those things. And but they're the things that eat you on the inside. They, the things that eat you on the inside. And and I I was struggling a lot with that in the first few years of, of my high school, mm-hmm. of, of high school. And God, God had to step in. Um, and he stepped in through my parents, right? Mm-hmm. My parents were the ones that saw, you know, this is not the eight-year-old kid. Right. That had a passion for God. This is not the eight-year-old kid that loved God. Mm. Um, so my parents stepped in and, and they were like, "Listen, we're going to we're going to send you somewhere, right?" And I think God sent me. Mm-hmm. I know my parents sent me, but my, I think God sent me right. because God was like, "Listen, you're too close to your your complacency. Mm. You're too near. You're too, you're in close proximity right. to your complacency." 
and 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 I had to be completely removed from my home, be completely sent to a foreign land, these United States of America. <laughs> and I went to a school in Northern California. And even there, still, mm-hmm. you know, for the first few months that I was there, I was really excited because I felt like, oh, wow, I'm getting back to what, where God wants mm-hmm. me to be. And I was doing a lot. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot. That's where it comes, right? That's right there. I was doing a lot, but nothing was really changing. Mm. Why wasn't I overcoming the things that I was struggling with before? Right. Why was I still struggling with these things? And I was doing everything right. I was I was a part of ministry. I was I was doing this, that, and the other. I was in the church. I was mm. in this Christian school. Yeah. Why wasn't anything changing? And you know, it wasn't until my senior year that it really clicked. For me and I think God really spoke to me and he was like listen just because you're here just because you're at this place where there's spiritual influences around you doesn't mean that you're safe right and that that had to click for me and it doesn't mean that you're spiritual either and it doesn't mean that I could I, I act the part though mm-hmm. oh man I could act because you've been around it for so long right that it's second nature to blend in yep and so that for me was the the pivot for me, and I, I, I later on, uh, no, actually, that year senior year, I got rebaptized, and and I got rebaptized not because I felt necessarily guilty for everything that was going on, but I felt like this was me making the decision forever to not only just be near Jesus, mm. but for Jesus to be within me, wow. and that's that is that's my story. A lot of us assume that we have to have that testimony, right? We have to have, oh, we, 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 I went through drugs, I went through this, I went through that. Most of us are, are dealing with these in, internal things. Most of us are dealing with heart issues, right? And we think that if we go to Bible studies, we go to Wednesday night prayer meeting, we go to Sabbath school, if we're a church deacon, if we're on the church board, if we're in proximity to the gospel as much as possible, surely that will be enough. No, the gospel has to change you, and it has to become a part of you. It has to be a message that's not just beside you, but a message that is within you. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. We would love it if you could subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could go as far as leaving a review, that would be amazing. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook or Instagram at whythedidthat. And of course, YouTube, where you can actually watch this episode now as well as listen to it. So make sure to check that out too. Finally, if you would like to support this podcast and keep it running, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash WTDT. This show was produced by the supremely talented Paul Keefe and the video editing by Jonathan J.J. Jensen. And a special thank you to everyone else on the Why They Did That team. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.